Injured in a car accident? It's about money. Your money. Your settlement. We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery? You pay no fees or costs. We strive to get you more at LawyerUp904.com. They will meet for the 15th time tomorrow. That is Jacksonville at Kansas City. The Chiefs hold the all-time lead 8-6, to six, but this time... It really matters. Playoff football. Frangie on his way to Kansas City. I step in. My name's Rick Ballou alongside Lauren Brooks, Hayes Carline. Gentlemen, ladies, how are we doing on this Friday afternoon? I'm ready to run through that wall. Yeah? And then that wall. And then that wall. How many cocktails are you going to have on the plane on the way to Kansas City? That's what I know. Is it a connecting flight? Because if so, you can maybe yeah. get another one in. That's the thing. At the airport. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, I, I, I believe I've got a good plan. Uh-huh. To get at least 47 and a half drinks in between right. here and Kansas City. And just check into the hotel, yeah. pass up, and get then, a pass you know, out, get up tomorrow, and get yeah. ready to roll. Hey, yeah, I'm Ubering. There you go. You know, and uh, as long as I can uh, speak coherently <laughs> by the time the kickoff show starts tomorrow, I feel like yeah. we'll be in good business. There you go. Roxy? I'm I'm just staying here so I don't get to have any drinks on the plane, but are you going to try and crash the party that's tonight in Kansas City? I'm going to every party. <laughs> In Kansas City. <laughs> Kansas City's a great town. It's going to be cold as all get out, though. It will be cold. Uh, that I cannot get around. Yeah. Um, so it will just be um, how much antifreeze I am able to put into my <laughs> right bloodstream. Now, do you pack long johns like nah. Frank Frangie? I don't even own that stuff. I, I probably should, but, you know, I've, I just... I don't have any of that stuff. I'm going to just freeze, yeah. basically, is the plan. I've got a heavy coat that I love, and so... Um, you love your heavy coat? <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> I love it when it's 20. <laughs> See, I know. hate my heavy yeah. coat because I moved to Florida not to yeah. not to need a heavy well, coat. Well, yeah, I mean, it's great to not see it for a while, yeah. but when I need it, then yeah. I love it. But the difference is, Frank, when he is calling the games, usually is still outside, whereas... Hayes gets to be yeah. inside in the press box. Well, I, wait a minute I here. only have to make it right, into the like building. Right, like a few minutes. And then I'm off the hook. Wait yeah. a minute here. I, I know a little bit about this. I spent eight years right. on the sideline. So you line. needed long jobs. As, never warm. Really? Toughed it up. Incredibly tough. All right. Okay. Those folks in the booth, they're pampered. Vaselli, <laughs> Lagerman, Frangi. Are you kidding me? They've got built-in heaters. They've got long johns on. And it's it, you're right. It's partially outside yes but it's also the wind is is reduced because you're inside a mm-hmm. a radio booth up there but um yeah it, now it's interesting because in college they open it up a little bit at florida and i haven't been into the florida state press box in forever i know you went to florida games this year do they open yeah. it so you can the, get some of that the florida press box it cannot be closed they don't okay. even have windows all right it is open all, it's, yeah. it's kind of annoying because with the because Jaguars, wind kind of comes through there. So, yeah. like, they'll hand you a paper mm-hmm. and you'll set it down. And then five seconds later, it's 20 yards down to your right because the wind is, is blowing. So, everything has to be weighted right, down. Right, right, right. They need to redo that stadium. Um, but uh, Jaguars but, but is it's close. fun. Oh. I mean, it's, it's fun to have it yeah. open because right. you definitely get the environment. Oh, I'd much rather have it open. Yeah. And but, a lot of NFL stadiums, I, I don't know. I don't remember what it's like in Kansas City. Arrowhead. Right? I've been there twice. You're, okay, so I've only been at Arrowhead in 2016. Uh, that was the game where Foles actually started for the Chiefs. Tayshawn Gibson and Winston Guy collided into each other on the easiest interception the Jaguars would have ever had in their franchise's history. Yeah. And the ball hit the ground. The Jaguars lost the game. Um, 
So I've only been there once. Arrowhead's press box is really high, like Superdome level high up in the air. And so you're way up there, but it's closed. So, I mean, you know, from the temperature, you know, I won't have to worry about that. But it, it is it is very high, which is good in one sense because you certainly can see everything that's happening. But when you want to really zoom in on something, you know, that like a conversation on the sideline, that's much tougher to do than it is in some of the other venues. Yeah. Winning in Kansas City is very difficult to do as well. It's incredible. Patrick Mahomes, if he wins this game tomorrow, he's going to his fifth consecutive AFC championship game. That is staggering. He's only 27 years of age. He's 8-3 and three lifetime in the playoffs, and there's three losses, one in the Super Bowl, the other two in the AFC championship game. Also, if Kansas City wins, they will host their fifth consecutive AFC championship game. It's, it's amazing. It's what a franchise quarterback can do, particularly one that may be not just a franchise quarterback, but a Hall of Fame franchise quarterback. Um, the Chiefs, for mo- much of my lifetime, have been a good but just sort of mediocre to good, nothing spectacular. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when, when I was a kid, the, you know, if you talked about great Chiefs teams, you went back to Lynn Dawson. Right. Uh, the, Terry the, Metcalf. The, the and genesis of the Super Bowl. Jim Hart is your quarterback. Yeah. And so, um, you know, they had like they had some cool players. They had the Nigerian nightmare, Christian Okoye, and they'd have some good teams. Uh-huh. They'd have Tony Gonzalez, you know, they, Derek, Derek Thomas. Thomas. Yeah. I mean, so they would have some star players, but they would just never be able to put it together. And then uh, and then they have the foresight to trade up, draft Patrick Mahomes, and off and running. And, and I do think it was really smart of them to hire Andy Reid when they did. I mean, it, when, when, he, when he and Philadelphia parted ways, and I can't remember if, I guess they fired him. I don't think he quit. But from Philly? Yeah. Yeah, he was fired. So, yeah. uh, but... It was very, Of course very you fire him, but you can hire Chip Kelly. Yeah, I mean, it's, right, I mean, exactly. Why would you want Andy yeah, Reid? Right, good point. Um, but it was very smart of the Hunt family to target Andy Reid, hire him, and because uh, he immediately made them respectable with Alex Smith. Then they draft Mahomes, and they've just become you know one of the more, if not the most elite team in the NFL. And, yeah, it's going to be a heck of a challenge tomorrow, but that just makes it – so much sweeter if the Jaguars can get it done. I, I think it's going to be very difficult. I think the Chiefs are probably going to win the game. But I do think the Jaguars are going to give them a great fight. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm really eager to see that. And we talked about this on death taxes in Duval. The, the thing the Chiefs have to answer is the Jaguars have they're, – they're just on a different level when it comes to being ready for this kind of moment. This team. Every team is different. This team has been in this environment for a month and a half. And they've shown they've got the guts. They've got the heart. They are a razor right now. The Chiefs are going to have to show that. They have not had to play for their lives yet. And, and again, as a, as a franchise recently with Mahomes and Reed, we know they can do it. We know Kelsey can do it. But every team is different. There's a lot of guys on that roster that haven't done it in Kansas City yet. Including four drafted rookie defensive backs who have been pushed in the service. I mean, you got a starting nickel, a starting corner, your main backup, as well as a safety backup. You got four. Joshua Williams, Trent McDuffie, Jalen Watson, Brian Cook, all could, you know, all will be pushed in the service tomorrow. So that's one aspect that really favors 
uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. All right, Blue Brooks, Carline with you. Gibby here. We're, we're with you today up until 6 o'clock. A lot of similarities between Andy Reid and Doug Peterson and, you know, offensive-minded guys. Uh, the definition would be a player's coach on both sides. Brooks, I got to tell you something right now. You're up 27 nothing. There's mm-hmm. no way that Andy Reid and his staff is not going to be able to find a way to run that clock out, unlike what we saw with Brandon Staley last Saturday night. Yeah, I concur. I mean, I think the Chiefs, if they're up 27 nothing against anyone, they're going to cruise to a 44-10 to victory. The fact that the Chargers didn't is a direct, yeah, or goes directly to Brandon Staley and his mm-hmm. inability to control that game. But I'm glad it was Brandon Staley coaching that team and not somebody better. Yeah. You know, Hayes, L.A. had superstars. They got possibly future Hall of Famers and, and Pro Bowlers. Jacksonville does not. They didn't have a Pro Bowler. However, I thought one through, you know, 46, it felt like Jacksonville was as talented as Los Angeles. They're not as talented as Kansas City. And that's not a slight to the Jaguars. Kansas City, in my opinion is the best team in the NFL. If they can get anything out of their defense, they're just going to outscore their opponents. So I do think the talent level goes up this weekend for Jacksonville. Obviously, the setting is really going to favor Kansas City. It's a great crowd. The weather, it's going to be right around freezing. We don't know if it's going to be snow or rain, depending, obviously, on, on what the temperature is at the time. And as you pointed out, even though Jacksonville's been in big game week after week, basically winning, you're done. For Kansas City, this is kind of like a ho-hum. This is, for the most part, hey, it's just another game. Granted, we talked about the rookies, first-timers playing in it. But the veterans and the leadership and the coaching staff, they're used to this. They do it every year. Absolutely. And this is something I don't think Doug Peterson will have told his team yet. But it's something that he definitely has in his back pocket if they don't get off to that good start that you hope they do tomorrow. In the AFC Championship game last year in Arrowhead, the Chiefs led Cincinnati 21-3 to with five minutes left in the second quarter wow. and lost the game in overtime. Yeah, they did. So that is something you do not want to have to bring up tomorrow mm-hmm. if you're the Jaguars and it's certainly nothing you would bring up during the week because you don't want to put it into the heads of your players that you think that they're going to start poorly but keep that in mind as you watch this game tomorrow if the Chiefs do get out in front and look if the Chiefs get out in front and I swore I would never write the Jaguars off after coming back from 27 <laughs> down in the first don't half you do it on but I mean Saturday. yeah I mean it's so I, I gotta I gotta stay firm here but uh but I will say and Cincinnati's different. They've got Burrow and Chase, and you know they've got a, a, a unbelievable team themselves. But they were down 18 points in Arrowhead last year, rallied to oh. stun the Chiefs and go to the Super Bowl. Yeah, unfortunately for Cincinnati in their playoff matchup against Buffalo, they're down two offensive linemen, right guard Alex Kappa won't go, and their left tackle Jonah Williams uh, won't play. Um, Again, we talked about this in our podcast, Death Taxes and, and Duval. but if you were to say two, two teams are playing, that leaves 30 other teams. If you were to say to any one of those 30 teams, you're down seven points to begin the fourth quarter, I don't think one coach or general manager would say, okay, I'll take that. For Jacksonville, that almost is like perfect. You're down a touchdown to begin the fourth quarter. That's where they're used to being. 
coming back late in games and winning. Again, I don't think there's another team in the league that would say, okay, give me that at Arrowhead. I tend to believe that if the Jaguars are down by seven points and the fourth quarter begins, they feel like they're in good shape. I mean, that's certainly better than they have been against the the Cowboys and then, of course, against uh, the Chargers as well. I think it would be interesting to see, Hayes, if the Jaguars had the lead in to start the fourth quarter, how things go, because they're not used to playing from ahead. Yeah, and, and that is another key to this game that, that we haven't talked a lot about, but it's a great point. Young teams tend to be afraid of success. That is something Doug Peterson has done a masterful job at in his career, particularly in Philadelphia, Mm -hmm. uh, in their Super Bowl run, of not allowing that to happen. There was many times against New England in the Super Bowl they could have buckled, and they they never did. They never showed any signs of losing their composure. We saw it in in spades when the Jaguars went up to Foxborough in the 2017 postseason and uh and and totally went into a shell Ugh. they were so petrified that they actually were playing well mm-hmm. that was and, such a good move brought that up. i know but but it's the prime example of it and it uh, it's called the turtle yeah they, yeah they, i mean again they quit on their that team that coaching staff quit on jacksonville yeah in the same way in my opinion that jalen ramsey quit you know two years later they tried to run off the clock, and it was an awful game play. Doug Peterson will never do that. I agree. He will try to win the game. You may second-guess him, but he's going to try to win. And, and we have evidence of it in a book he's written. Oh, yeah. That had to be asked about to <laughs> Doug Marone, no, the former Jaguar coach, because try Peterson couldn't have been clear in saying, I was watching the Jaguars-Patriots game before we're getting ready to play, and I'm watching how Jacksonville's handling the end of the game. Uh, the the final you know uh, second half he's like I swore to myself I would never coach that way and you know but but again so I don't think it'll be a Doug Peterson thing I don't think there'll be anything from the coaches that radiates down to the players but at the player level they've got to be ready and I think they will be Trevor Lawrence has done nothing but rise to the occasion I mean he dissected Nick Saban as a true freshman for the national championship. So, but I do think it is something that a young team has to just, it's a, it's a check. You've got to be able to check that off. And uh, because they've had to rally, they haven't really shown us that they can build a 10-point lead, get somebody in the corner, and knock them out. Remember the first meeting uh, for the first time in five years, Jacksonville began the game with a successful onside kick. And again, another example of Doug Peterson trying to win football games. All right, let's take our first break. Man, that 2017, that just that just boils my blood. If you're going to go down, go down like Reggie Jackson swinging. You know, go down like Dave Winfield. Take a big cut. Uh, what Jacksonville did in that AFC Championship game is they rested the bat on their shoulder and watched three straight fastballs, and they didn't even take it and, and take a swing. And, and, and that... Uh, that is what bothers me. I think it still bothers a lot of Jag fans out there. At least try to win the game. You know that's going to happen with Doug Peterson. All right, we're busy here today. Pete Prisco will join us. Frangie will join us live from Kansas City. The Philly Rooster will check the money. He'll join us live later in the program from Las Vegas. Rick Ballew along with Hayes Carline, Lauren Brooks, and Gibby. It's great to have you with us today. We're on till 6. It's a big Tire Friday on the Frangie Show. For all of your tires and automotive service needs, it's Big 
tire. Well, we're coming to your that is city. awesome. Well done, Gibby, and great idea to read in the Parman family. It is a big bleep tire Friday here on the Frangie Show. What a uh, what a personality. I mean, That's why right. wouldn't you buy your tires from Big Chief after the pulling right. out off, even though I'm not allowed to say Chief? <laughs> Who is your favorite We can chief? say Chief. We just can't say Chiefs. Well, exactly. <laughs> but Who's your favorite Chief? That is very clever. Mine would be Chief Osceola. That makes All sense. Right. I'm a big fan of uh, Chief J. Strongbow. Yeah. Eric Church goes by Chief, so that's my favorite. All chief. right. Okay. How about the Chief Johnny Busick? Okay. Uh, one of the all-time greats for the Boston Bruins of uh, Indian heritage. That's who Hayes was almost going to say. Yeah, uh, exactly. John, the great Johnny Busick. Any other Chief? Uh, Robert Parrish. Oh, my God. How did I forget Wobbit? Wobbit Powish, uh, that's Bob Cousy. Wobbit Powish needs a blow, so Wick Woby uh, <laughs> is going to check in. Boston, 82, Philadelphia, 63. Hey, I was going to ask you something, because the first thing that popped into my head was, you've seen the movie Goodwill Hunting, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. And it takes place in It's a good South car, Rem. Rem, it's a mm-hmm. good car. I fixed it myself. Have you seen Good Will Hunting? Oh, yeah. That's a great Multiple movie. Multiple times. And uh, so there's a scene where Matt Damon's character is meeting Robin Williams' character for the first time, and Robin Williams is a therapist assigned to right. kind of evaluate Matt Damon, uh, Will Hunting. And so Will Hunting uh, intentionally provokes him. Mm. By breaking down a painting of Robin Williams's that he sees, he does, and Robin Williams gets very upset because it's uh, kind of about his uh, wife, and uh, um, grabs him by the throat and says, "Chief, got that, Chief? Remember oh. that?" And I never is that like a Boston thing, or yeah. was that something that? Because I've never heard that, like somebody agitated say, "Like Chief," but he, but Rob and Robin Williams won an Academy Award for it. It's delivered brilliantly but i didn't know if that's like a thing in boston or if that was like a robin williams improv thing you know i've been gone since i was 18 i, I don't remember chief being thrown around all that much um i've never been a big fan of of calling some like it drives me crazy when i like go order a beer and a shot and so look at me and say what can I get you, boss? Yeah, I don't I'm like, like. I'm like, I'm not your boss. Yeah, I'm also not your chief. Right. Okay. I'm a hard-paying, hard-working customer. Right. Who wants a beer and a shot? Right. Just <laughs> take my damn order. You don't have to boss me or chief me or right. any of that type of stuff. I I don't know if it's a, a but they do a lot of Boston lingo. Yeah. yeah, I was just curious in that movie. I I don't have an answer yeah. for you. Well, I'll pretend that it, it, I'll just come up with something on my. You know own. the Hollywood freaks though. They had to create the uh, the L Street Station bar. All the bars around Harvard Square wasn't good enough for those really? uh, highfalutin types in Hollywood. They had that? to put their own little spin to it and came up with a fictional bar. How do you come up with a fictional bar for a movie like that where, like, literally on every street corner, there's a different pub or Irish bar? It's a very good question. Yeah. Very good you, question. You know what and else? I feel bad for the, the bar owners because they didn't get a chance to work with many drivers. Yeah. Oh, no <laughs> doubt. Absolutely. Um. I think last week there was a feeling that there should have been far more penalties than the penalties that were called. And unfortunately, where we're at now in team athletics is we can't get through a game without bringing up the officiating. It, it remains incredibly inconsistent. So enter now Sean Hockley. <laughs> well, don't expect that to change tomorrow. <laughs> okay. Enter Sean Hockley and his staff, second in the NFL this year, or his crew, I should say. 
Second in the NFL this year in penalties called per game, 14.6. They were also number two this year in the league when it came to roughing the passer. It seems like all the time Brady gets known as a guy who gets calls. Aaron Rodgers is a guy who gets calls. I got to believe whether we've seen it or not, whether they, the stats define this, that Patrick Mahomes is now in a category where he is going to get calls. Trevor Lawrence, I don't know. We'll have to see. I will tell you this. The last time they faced Kansas City, Trevor Lawrence was sacked five times in that game. So let's begin with you, Hayes. What do you believe here? I mean, it's crazy to actually think that you need to spend time looking at an officiating crew, but that's where we are now in sports. Well, I, I will say this. Be prepared to be frustrated tomorrow because in the first meeting, Kansas City wasn't even called for a single penalty, which is just ridiculous to suggest that a team could play 150 snaps in a game and not be called for a single infraction. I mean, that that's just preposterous. Uh, and so the Jaguars are going to have more penalties and they're going to have more penalty yardage tomorrow. And I think absolutely Patrick Mahomes is going to get calls if, if, it's, if it's even in the realm of roughing, it's going to be called. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think Trevor Lawrence is going to get the same treatment. You know, if it's if it's a foul, then I, I don't think that they will swallow the you know whistle, so to speak. But I but, yeah, I'm expecting the Jaguars to if, if their average is 14.6, I'm anticipating 14 on the Jags and 0.6 on the Chiefs. <laughs> Well, the good news is this crew, Hockley's crew, has called three more penalties on home teams than they have away teams this season. Not that it's necessarily going to line up like that tomorrow. The bad news is they've called a lot of offensive holding and false start penalties. That makes me nervous about the whole Jawan Taylor thing. I'm sure that that's been brought to their attention. I'm surprised Jawan Taylor hasn't been getting called by that, you know, for that week after week. He obviously must talk to them and let them know, but he's... <laughs> He's pulling back before the ball was snapped. Yeah. How does that conversation go? I'm going to false start. I just don't want you to call it. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Are he, you calling he, false start? He should today be or not? an attorney after football because I mean it's clear he's moving. Why was he getting away with that? I, I don't understand. Is it he either. Michael? Jo- is he like revered as like Michael Jordan I, I, with offensive linemen? It, it, people say he's timing it perfectly. Like people I who have guess. played the game. So it, while it looks like yeah. that, it must be when you're watching it live. It's he's going right when he's supposed to go. The other good news is Kansas City led the NFL this season in defensive pass interference penalties. That's where, obviously, Jaguars fans were so frustrated in the game against the Chargers last week. Fortunately, we're not talking about that all week long because the Jaguars won the game still. But if Kansas City can be called for several pass interference penalties, that bodes really well for the Jaguars. Yeah, there's no doubt. And that's where that youth comes in. And Ladarius uh, Sneed had been injured, but he's 100%, so he's back. That certainly does help, but you know I certainly do believe that that this Jacksonville team can strike downfield, um, even with the great Chris Jones there, fifteen and a half sacks. He's been a monster. I think the Jaguars are gonna have success passing the football at Kansas City. They're gonna have to if they're gonna have a chance, and and I I think they will as well. I think Trevor Lawrence found something that few players that have ever played in the NFL. Hit found. I mean, what he was able to do against the Chargers is the kind of thing that translates into consistent superstardom. Once you have proven that you can do that on an NFL field in a playoff game in your debut, 
I, there's no reason to think he's not going to go in there and shred Kansas City and probably shred the majority of the teams he's going to play now moving into the future. That, that to me, is just unlocking just such an unbelievable experience for Trevor to have that and the confidence that I think it, it carries with it for himself and for the rest of the team. He's going to have to play well. We went through Kansas City's three losses this year. Uh, Matt Ryan, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow are the three quarterbacks that have beaten the Chiefs this season. Ryan good had, balance. had the worst passer rating of the three at 105.9. Allen was 117.6. Burrow was 126.6 and ran for 46 yards. In a yeah, touchdown. they all ran in yeah. those victories. So it, it was a it was a balanced attack. Um, you know, it's it, it's so interesting when you when you look at this game and and you look at this matchup because if we go back to Saturday night, the first thing or second thing you think of is plus five turnover to take takeaway ratio favoring Los Angeles. How in the heck can a team be plus five and lose a game? Well, Jacksonville was plus three, plus an onside kick in this loss at Kansas City back on November 13th. Kansas City, this is a rare statistic. They don't turn the ball over a great deal. Their problem is, kind of like Jacksonville of a year ago with only nine takeaways, they're not a great takeaway team. So if you look at only the regular season, Jacksonville's plus five in the turnover-takeaway ratio. Kansas City, despite a 13-4 and record, is, is minus or what? What a thirteen and three because they had the one game canceled. Uh, no, fourteen no, they're third, and three. They're fourteen and three. Yeah. Uh, fourteen and three. Okay. They all uh, They did. I'm thinking of Cincinnati Buffalo. My bad. They're minus three. That, that's a difference of eight turnovers between these two teams. You would think again on the surface that absolutely favors the Jaguars, but Kansas City wins even when they lose the turnover battle. Well, they did last time. I don't know that they will this time. I do think the Jaguars have a much more opportunistic defense, not saying it's a better defense than Kansas City's, but certainly much more opportunistic. And look, we all have seen the stats. Patrick Mahomes is much better when he's not being pressured. The Jaguars have increased their amount of pressuring quarterbacks over the last six, seven games. So if you pressure Patrick Mahomes, now you got to cover, Hayes, but if you pressure Patrick Mahomes and you get him to the point where he's uncomfortable, his passer rating drops by a ton, and then all of a sudden I feel like, especially if it starts snowing, you could start to get the game going your way. The minus three does expose the Chiefs a little bit historically because historically the Super Bowl champion is not in the minus in that stat. I want to say it's 11 out of the previous 12 or the last 12 Super Bowl champions have all been positive in turnover margin. So the Chiefs would be an outlier if they're able to win the whole thing. And that's a different conversation than if they're able to win tomorrow. But it is something to watch out for because if Trevor plays a clean game, and I think he's going to, uh, I mean, he was due. He played poorly, I thought, in Houston. He played poorly without a doubt. In New Jersey. Uh, well, it, yeah, and I was going to say in tennis against the Titans. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, oh, and, just and then, awful. And then obviously he played a horrific, even if you don't you know, blame him for two of the picks, he still threw two picks in a first half uh, You know that were legitimately his mistakes. Uh, so he basically had two and a half bad games. Then he had a half of just extraordinary. And so I think that's where it's going to go. So – you know, you worry about Etienne and the fumbling. The ball security has been better of late, but, you know, you certainly worry about that. 
the Jaguars are going to have to win the turnover margin. I mean, there's just no way around it. I mean, to your 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 points are great when they were plus three and couldn't even keep it to single digits in the first meeting. So they're going to have to be plus two somewhere in there to probably have a chance at this thing late. Patrick Mahomes has already thrown 28 touchdown passes in the postseason. He's 27 years of age. That's 11th all time. He's two away from tying Terry Bradshaw. Terry Bradshaw won four Super Bowls. Look at the guys he's passed already. Russell Wilson at 25. John, he just passed John Elway at 27. John Elway. That's amazing. He's thrown more touchdown passes than John Elway. Roger Staubach, Troy Aikman, Jim Kelly, Steve Young. I mean, this is Hall of Famer after Hall of Famer. Ken Stabler, uh, Eli Manning. I mean, you think Eli Manning, you know, I guess New York basically stunk up the joint whenever they did not go to the Super Bowl. But still, uh, he's, he threw 18. Uh, touchdown passes uh, just amazing and that doesn't account for he had a run I can't was it against Houston maybe in the comeback oh yeah when he had like a 31 yard run where he made like five guys miss it was insane it was unbelievable yeah and he's also had the luxury of having some buys he would have he would you know and I guess you can make the same argument about uh with Manning and 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 with Brady uh final thought on this before our break because I mentioned the Sean Hack Sean Hockley uh, referee crew who will be at this game. Again, they call the second most penalties. In their first meeting, Kansas City didn't have a penalty. So that, that's another one of those deals where you look at a really well-coached team. Yeah, now every team should have a penalty. Did they get a little bit of home cooking? I don't know. I don't remember the officiating crew that day, but that's something else. When you look at the Chiefs and, and everything they have going for them, they are a disciplined football team. They are. They're well coached. And, and again, the Jaguars are going to lose the penalty battle. It's just a question of are they going to lose it nine to one or are they going to lose it four to two? You know, mm-hmm. but they're going to lose it. It's just a question of will it be, you know, a ton of hidden yardage or a, a negligible amount. I will be stunned if the Chiefs have more penalties or more penalty yardage than the Jaguars. That's the prop of the that's, that's the, the prop to, to end all props. That's the bet. If you can find that prop. Yeah. Bet your house right. on that the Jaguars are going to have more penalties and more penalty yardage in the game than the Chiefs. Right. If you're trying to make money, forget the game, forget the total, play the officiating, and play it over. Um, again, 14.6 penalties a game called by this officiating crew. There's going to be a lot of whistles. Regardless of where Al Michaels is going to be, he's going to be upset. He'll be upset midway through the first quarter in this game. <laughs> I just hope he's watching it. <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I mean, maybe he'll be gardening or something. Mm. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to know with Al these days. You know, his enthusiasm for the sport doesn't really seem to be maybe what it once was. All right, let's come back and, and let's get into the quarterbacks here a little bit. I, I think most out there would agree. Uh, ju- uh, you know, right now, uh, Pat Mahomes is the – He's the best player in the NFL. If you go back to that game that they played on November 13th when Jackson was down 20 nothing, came back, made it a game, they ended up losing 27-17. You look at the numbers between Mahomes and Lawrence since, they're nearly identical. Obviously, the one thing that sticks out is the enormous amount of playoff experience that Mahomes has. This will be a second playoff game for Trevor Lawrence. Well, let's get into it a little bit and also, you know, how – Flat out, how do you beat Kansas City? Um, There's been a lot of different ways to look at this matchup. 
So we'll lay that out for you on the other side. Later in the program, Pete Prisco will join us. Frank Frangie will check in from Kansas City. We'll check the money out in Las Vegas with our good buddy, the Philly Rooster, as well. It's great to have you with us, along with Agent Gibbs, Lauren Brooks, and Hayes Carline. My name is Rick Ballou. If you want to get a hold of us, the best way to do it is on the text line. That is brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures, and that number is 641-1010. Flag is down. What else is new? Oh, this crew's calling everything tonight. Now back to a Big Tire Friday on The Frangie Show. Big Tire. Visit BigService.com. <laughs> well done. It's going to make me laugh every time. Rest in peace. David Crosby dead at the age of 81. This is before he got fired with the birds. Uh, this came out in 66. It's considered the first psychedelic rock song. Of all time. It's fitting. They're in the counterculture. Yeah, I like it. People I began like to argue music. in the mid to late 60s. Mm-hmm. Took on the power. Our government. I don't know what they're writing about today, but back then, certainly it... Um, isn't that sad? Really interesting. That, I mean, even if you don't like... I mean, isn't it just sad that we don't have that in music anymore? That yeah. that Great songwriters, yeah. Yeah, just... I mean, everything today is sex, drugs, rock and roll, or so much of this music is about downgrading women. Um, Back then, you told the story. Yeah. And that's why those songs will live on forever. I mean, you know I'm really hip. I'm up to everything as far as fashion. Right, yeah. And you know that, Brooksy. I got my own line on Into the Night uh, Moisturizer. For sure. That I'm now marketing. Uh, Books, shows, everything. But when it comes to music... Whoa, that's where I yeah flip back. Well, you were time. telling me some stuff in the break that I had no idea about about Jeff Beck and Rod Stewart and, yeah. and David Crosby, and I mean it's it really is amazing the the genesis of these brilliant careers. Yeah, I I love music as much as I love sports, and the difference between music and sports is that music is never going to let you down unless you play depressed music if, right. if it affects you in that way. But music is consistent where sports is going to end up letting you down. There's going to be 31 disappointed NFL teams here. We have, what, seven games left, four this weekend, championship Sunday with two, then two weeks after a Super Bowl. Every team is going to get disappointed here outside of your Super Bowl champion. So sports will let you down. Sports will frustrate you. Music, on the other hand, if you play what you want, it can be totally inspiring to you, and that's why it's a huge part of my life. Did you ever see him live? David Crosby? Yeah. No. And I regret it. I had opportunities to go to Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, or just Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and I haven't. I saw him once. Yeah. How was he? The band. It was phenomenal. They opened for a guy named Tom Petty. Mm. Wow. That was pretty good. Uh, The buddy that I went with texted me this morning and just was talking about David Crosby, and I was like, can you believe both of them are gone now, Petty and Crosby? Because that show you said was like 10 years ago you saw that? Probably 15, 15, actually. Yeah, it was probably, well, probably 10. I, I can't remember exactly, but it was 10 to 15 years ago. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I saw the Fleetwood Mac cover band last night. I got there late after the show. I think I missed the first six or seven songs. I was at Mr. Chubby's Wings in Fleming and right mm-hmm. next door there uh, at the Thrasher. Um, so it was only a 12 minute um, caravan to get there. And, you know, that was one of the first bands that, you know, had the whole English look, and then they had the two L.A. folks with, uh, with Stevie and, and Lindsey Buckingham. That's the thing about Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. You know, you look at 
you look at Stills and Crosby, they're American. You've got the Canadian rock star Neil Young. And then Graham Nash, who was with the Hollies, was an, uh, an English writer. So you had three different, you know, from three different places throughout our world for like the first time coming together, forming a group. Uh, groups who form are basically in the same town. And that's what made that band as well. Do you think we'll ever see a Fleetwood Mac movie? I hope so. They all slept with one another. I just right. finished Mick Fleetwood's book. It's one of the most incredible things I've ever read. Just so, uh, so out there. And how all those songs from that album were because they were unfaithful to one another. Uh, pretty incredible stuff. All right, let's get back to the game. Um, man, I'm looking for a weakness here with Kansas City, and it, it, it's, it's depressing because you can't find one. We know how great Patrick Mahomes is. You look at their third down offense, for crying out loud, nearly 50% on third down, 48.71%. Um, Jacksonville, on the flip side, is 41.8%. Also, Hayes, you get into the end zone. This is the best team in the NFL when it comes to converting touchdowns. They're nearly 70%. 72 times this year, they've been inside the 20. 50 of those 72 times, they have not had to go to a field goal attempt. They have scored a touchdown. Yeah, they're they're remarkable. They're going to score a bunch of points. I, I'd be shocked if the Jaguars can keep them under 34. Um, you know, a couple things. Uh, I, their kicker can be inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, maybe you catch a break there. Uh, you know, I mean that they're. I think they're going to run it just because. Why would you even try and stop them from doing it? And they won't stick with it. So, uh, you know, that will be interesting. They're, 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 I'm sure their average per carry is, is going to be very high. But the, if there's – it's not really a weakness because they're so good with Mahomes. But it's almost like you don't have to worry about the Chiefs saying, we're getting seven yards every time. We're just going to keep running it. That's, they just don't do that. No. They, they'll get antsy and they'll, they'll start throwing it. So, I, you know, you don't adjust. Uh, if, they're, if they're gouging you in the run, you just let them keep doing it because eventually they will go away from it on their own. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're, there's only one way to beat this team and it's to outscore them and shorten the game. I still find this amazing Cincinnati when they beat the, they're the last team to beat Kansas city in week 13, December 4th. And it was in Cincinnati, which certainly helps. Uh, but they started off dominating the ball. Uh, they had the ball for 10 Oh seven of the first quarter. And because of that, it made the chiefs nervous antsy they never got comfortable and they only finished with eight possessions in that game I mean that's the kind of I mean that's the formula you need tomorrow you need to be able to you know find those seven eight minute drives for the Jaguars where Trevor is you know brilliant in the short to intermediate game and ETN is is giving you some good production on the ground and you you really I mean you're never going to shy away from you know explosive chunk pass plays but it's really not the formula that you need to beat the Chiefs. You need seven, eight-minute drives, not you know two plays, 79 yards, 31 seconds, because they're just going to come right back and do the same thing. Jacksonville has really struggled as of late, scoring early. Um, first half points, what, seven against Tennessee, seven against Los Angeles, and those seven right before the halftime gun ended up being 
uh, just incredibly important. I mean, last year they averaged 7.6 points in the first half. They have it up this year to 11.1, which is certainly respectable. That's nearly, you know, three and a half points difference from a year ago. But again, they've struggled a little bit as of late. What's encouraging here, Lauren, you look at their last five drives, the one before half and then the four beginning in the third quarter. They had two in the third, two in the fourth. Man, Look at their drive time charts here. You know, you went seven plays, 47 yards. You took a minute 25 off to make it 27-7. They did have the long drive, seven minutes and 17 seconds in the third quarter, 14 plays, 89 yards. Then they got into hurry up. And look at this, five plays, 68 yards, took 214 off. Nine plays, 64 yards, took 322 off. Game-winning drive, 10 plays, 61 yards, 309 off the clock. So they've proven that... They can put together, you know, not quite an Oklahoma or Texas Tech, get to the line, run the next play. But when they were pushing the service, they took advantage and got ahead of the play clock and put together some really impressive drives. Yeah, they absolutely did. And they were able to stay ahead of the sticks uh, throughout much of that second half, which is really important because that allows Doug Peterson to call what he wants to call. And he's got a lot, obviously, of tricks up his sleeve. That's what I'm very, going to be very curious to see tomorrow is at what point does Doug Peterson start to get really creative? And and obviously, Reed and, and Doug Peterson know each other well. So how does that look? Uh, I'm very intrigued by that. And look, I think Doug Peterson is going to have to go a little bit against his grain, and he's going to have to run the ball. That's what I think. I think ETN's going to have to get a lot of carries. Let's get into that in the 4 o'clock hour. I love that word creative because Doug Peterson talked about it yesterday. Can you really be more creative uh, during this time of the year. Well, they did some things last week that we hadn't seen, uh, including running the T on fourth and one. What could they possibly have, have up their sleeve uh, for this matchup coming up tomorrow in Kansas City? All right, we got much more to do. Coming up in our second hour, you'll hear from Pete Prisco. In the 5 o'clock hour, you're going to hear from Frank Frangi, and you are going to hear from the Philly Rooster. It's great to have you with us alongside Hayes Carline, Lauren Brooks, and Gibby. My name is Rick Ballou with you tonight till 6. Back to more of a Big Tire Friday on The Frangie Show. Big Tire with four locations on the First Coast to serve you. Yeah, we're talking about our favorite all-time Chiefs. I didn't tell you mine. Yeah, what's yours? Chief Nakahoma. From? The Braves. Okay. We've, they've probably um, said goodbye to him these days, but Chief Nakahoma... Was uh, was a big mascot way back in the day for the Braves. Okay, has he been canceled? I think so. Uh-huh. Yeah, we have. Uh, let's see, we had Homer the Brave after that, and then now we have a guy that looks like a I don't know what he is. Uh, freeze? No, not Freeze. <laughs> he looks like a Teletubby. Remember that show? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Blooper. That's that's who our mascot is now. So. Do you think the Seminoles will always be the Seminoles? Uh yeah, because they support. You know, the Indians love the mm-hmm. the support and love the That's relationship. Good. But there's always been people who pick it, who wake up and are upset with that. And I don't know. You know, the Braves stole the war chant. That's right. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs stole yeah. the yep. war chant. Uh, my favorite chief would be Chief Osceola. Right. Also love the Chief Johnny Music. Mm-hmm. Also love the Chief Wabbit Parish, as Bob Cousy would say, and I love the Chief Jay, uh, Chief Jay Strongbow. I mean, what was and, his finisher? He had the kind of like the sleeper hold. He, well, he would have his war dance. No, no, okay. he he went with a knee to like the head. He he okay. would get on his little tear. Yeah, 
you know, his little, his Indian type dance. He would mm-hmm. call it going on the war path. And him and brother Jules, they'd take on Mr. Fuji and Mr. Saito and Captain Lou Albano. It was great, man. I miss those old days of wrestling. You know who else is a great chief? The chief who, when Nicholson gets the lobotomy, he gives him the pillow, oh, yeah, yeah, kills yeah, him, yeah, then yeah. rips off the sink and just like runs into the wilderness. Mm-hmm. In that I mental hospital, that. one flew over the yeah. cuckoo's nest. And he's a great basketball player. They just he is, throw man. it in. Just get it down low to the chief. And he would just put it in. I love when Nicholson's playing with him and he says, What a ball club! <laughs> <laughs> Nurse Ratchet. Uh, I'll leave it at that. Jacksonville plus nine, total 52. Wow. Money's starting to come in on Jacksonville. In about an hour and some change, we'll hear from the Philly Rooster live from Las Vegas. Uh, to get his uh, opinion on where the money's going on all four divisional games. Later this hour, Pete Prisco, next hour as well, we will check in uh, with uh, Frank Frangi. All right, uh, Rick Ballou, Lauren Brooks, Hayes Carline, Gibby. Let's talk about being creative here. You know, the first time they met, it's tough to get creative when you were forced to pass the ball 40 times against Kansas City. You were only able to run it uh, 16 times in that game. That's not the pass the rush uh, rush, uh, you know, percentage that you want if you're going to try to win a football game in Kansas City. They showed at least a few things last Saturday night that we had not seen before, a different version of the T. They did run it earlier this year when Robinson had that 50-yard carry against Los Angeles go, going the other way. Remember, Sheriff pulled on that play and the tackles kind of sealed in. It was tremendous. But what do you believe? I mean, they're going to go down punching here. Creativity. What do you What do you think here tomorrow? I would like to see more Etienne as a receiver deep. I love the play. They've, they've run it once, and I don't think they've run it since. But it's a play in which they bring Agnew in motion, and it looks like the play is going to flow towards that Agnew motion. So everything kind of moves that way, and Etienne slips into the area that Agnew is vacated and just keeps going. He doesn't, like, turn. It's, a, it's designed so that Etienne can catch the ball and, and take it up the field. The play worked, I want to say, for probably, like, 25 yards. Uh, that's something I would absolutely go back to. You know, I, I would really try and make the Chiefs cover Etienne as a receiver. That's an element that I think when we start talking about next year with the Jaguars and year two of Etienne, mm-hmm. year two of Doug Peterson, and year two of Trevor Lawrence – ETN will become way more effective as a receiver, uh, but I would like to see it in this game incorporated more. I don't know that that's necessarily like a trick, but it's something that they haven't done a ton. But when they have done it, it's been incredibly effective. I, I'd like to, I you know, I would like to see Doug Peterson set a goal of I want Travis ETN to have 80 yards receiving against the Chiefs. It's something the Chiefs actually do really well. We talked about that earlier this week, Hayes, with Jarek McKinnon, as far as being a receiving, uh, more receiving yards and touchdowns than running back. I mean, that's something, yeah, I think ETN moving forward can be really good at that. I'll say something with the tight ends. Dan Arnold, Luke Farrell, Chris Manhurts. It seems like every time Doug targets them, and that's not any trickery necessarily, but certainly creativity, when he targets them, when Trevor finds them, they're, they always seem to be open because obviously the opposing team thinks they're more blocking tight ends than receiving tight ends, and they are. But I would say that that's something that I'd like to see. Uh, one other thing I want to go back to, the Jaguars' defense 
is not very good on third down, and the Kansas City Chiefs are really good on third down. So that, to me, is a huge area that we have to watch tomorrow. Yeah, no doubt. Jacksonville, their third down defense is 43.18, so you know, nearly 50% is the conversion rate. Uh, that's not a positive. And as we said a little bit earlier, Kansas City, nearly 50% on their offensive third down conversion rate, 48.71%. Um, the other side of that, and, and you mentioned uh, Jarek McKinnon, all last week when we were breaking down the game against Los Angeles, you know, we kept talking about the fact that the Jaguars are the worst defense in the NFL when it comes to defending running backs who catch the ball out of the backfield. You look at Austin Eckler, man. The guy caught 107 regular season balls, yet the brilliance of Brandon Staley and now the fired Joe Lombardi, Eckler had two receptions for eight yards. And Jaguar fans listening right now know this. Jackson has been incredibly vulnerable this year to some really basic plays, some some simple screens where you're like, what happened there? Total missed assignment. So, obviously, you have Kelsey, you have Schuster, you have Scantling. I, I'm expecting more uh, with Kadarius Toney uh, this weekend. But what about throwing the ball? That, that to me, has to be a huge rush, uh, recipe on the other side to – attack Jacksonville defensively, that's getting the ball to Jarek McKinnon. I think Andy Reid is going to really test Devin Lloyd or Muma, whichever linebacker the Jaguars elect to put there. Lloyd is playing better than he was a couple months ago, but this is still such a sophisticated attack that's so precise at being able to attack that portion of the field with a number of really talented players. I think Devin Lloyd has got to play his best game as a Jaguar uh, for the defense to have a hope of holding Kansas City uh, in the 20s. And I think I think that's going to be the guy that all week that Andy Reid and his staff have circled. Dev, whoever is there, whether it's Devin Lloyd, Muma, that's where a lot of – that's going to be the, the pivot point of their game plan offensively. We've seen so many changes with the defense late in the year, okay, when they took on Tennessee, when they took on Baltimore, when they took on teams they knew that they were going to run the ball first. Three linebackers. They brought Dewey in at times. Three safeties. I think it's safe to say that this game tomorrow at 430, you're going to see both teams start in nickel coverage. They're going to take out a linebacker. Lauren, three sacks against Herbert in the last six games – the Jaguars have generated 19 sacks. They struggled early this year in that category. As a matter of fact, the first time they played in Kansas City, they weren't able to sack Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, and I think sacking him is going to be difficult, but getting pressure on him is going to be key. And so Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker, Roy Robertson Harris, it's a massive game for those guys to stand their ground. And, and Trayvon Walker has to be smart. I don't think that he should have been penalized last week, but we've seen it a few times this season where he's gotten called for roughing the passer that may have been questionable. And so he's got to play really smart football tomorrow. You know what's remarkable about this season is guys that I canceled have – it's kind of like the Jason Voorhees uh, scenario. It's like they've, they're have they alive yeah. again. It's I mean, I, I, I spent the entire offseason – telling Jaguar fans that Shaq Griffin, Rayshon Jenkins, and Roy Robertson-Harris will not be back in 2023. Well, You got one right. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt with Griffin. But the way that Rayshon's played, I mean, and, and, and 
to be clear, those three are under contract for 2023. But now it becomes, how can you do some things here to try to save a little bit of money, pay a pay a bonus, uh, you know, extend them? I think that applies for Rayshon Jenkins. But what about Roy Robertson Harris? I mean, he was on a milk carton a year ago. He was injured, but he's been kind of unsung right there with Devon Hamilton. But as of late, he has been more recognizable. I, I've seen Roy Robertson Harris make more plays, let's say, over the last five, six weeks than I have in his entire career here. He's been magnificent, and it really is going to create a fascinating offseason storyline in terms of a, a position that this franchise simply hasn't been in, which is you don't have a lot of cap space. Yep. You do have some tough decisions to make, and what decisions are going to be made? I mean, Rayshon Jenkins, how could you possibly let him go? But, yeah, I was saying the same thing. Oh, they can save $8 million letting Rayshon Jenkins go after the season. Well, you're not doing that now. Uh, you know, Roy Robertson-Harris has made a big statement of, yes, I have earned a third year of this contract here, or at least the ability, you know, for the team to uh, manage it a little bit to his benefit while also creating uh, some room for them in the present. It's going to be fascinating to see how the Jaguars handle this from a cap standpoint because they don't have a ton of space, and you're adding Calvin Ridley. Uh, you're going to have your draft class that's not going to be nearly as expensive as it has been because your pick is going to be you know in the mid-20s at worst now. So that contract is not going to be nearly as, as substantial as obviously Trayvon Walker's Trevor Lawrence's, but you still have your draft class to sign. So – going to be really interesting but I, I just again I I think they win or whatever happens even if they get beat 45 to 6 tomorrow I think the it is going to be how can we possibly keep these guys together as much as possible and if that means really only adding Ridley in the draft class fine I think they're going to view this as they're other than Shaq Griffin I don't think there's a lot of addition by subtraction that's going to happen this offseason the problem is cutting Griffin doesn't do enough to afford you all the other things that you need to be afforded. But like Christian Kirk's number skyrockets, uh, not that you could cut him, but it skyrockets to like 21 million. Could you, have you seen enough in Christian Kirk to say, we want to put two more years on your deal. We want to give you some money now. Cause with Shad Khan, you can do that, which is fantastic. Shad's got liquid. Yeah. And so a lot of owners don't, a lot of owners don't. And, uh, it is really going to benefit the Jaguars. Uh, it, it, you know, eventually the price tag will come, but if you feel like you've really got a special group here, then you probably do want to add a couple years on to some of these deals and get some relief in the present. Uh, a lot of teams do this, uh, and, you know, and, and sort of kick it down the line a little bit. Yeah. That's why I don't think they can afford to re-sign Juwan Taylor, but that'll be one of the major questions that we will all tackle once the season comes to an end. Right now, the focus is on the game at 4.30 tomorrow in Kansas City. All right, when we come back, let's stay on this a little bit. Josh Allen is a guy that that I think has been uh, criticized, rightfully so, in a lot of situations, but I, I, I think there's also a little bit of lack of recognition for the the solid football he has played as of late. So we'll come back. We'll touch upon that. Still got to get to Trevor Lawrence uh, more and, you know, how he can go out and win the biggest football game of his career. Pete Prisco later this hour as well. Next hour, Frank Frangie checks in. Also, we'll check the money 
with the Philly Rooster as he will join us live from Las Vegas. Baloo, Carline, Brooks, and Gibby with you tonight till 6. Back to more of a Big Tire Friday on the Frangie Show. Big Tire with four locations on the First Coast to serve you. All right, I've got to change around my five all-time favorite Chiefs, and I cannot believe I made this mistake. I'll go Chief Osceola, one. Wabbit Parrish, two. Johnny Music, old Bruin. At three, Chief J. Strongbow, four. At number five, I must go with Hooper Drives the Boat, Chief. (laughs) Chief Brody. Well done. How could I forget Chief Brody from the greatest movie of all time? Love it. Is it the greatest movie of all time? To me, it is. To me, it is. There's there's never been anything in my life that I have seen that is more scary than Jaws. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's the scariest movie of all time. I'm like going on this big trip next month to Costa Rica and all this snorkeling and stuff. I'm like, screw that. I will stay on the boat. I will drink a ton of beer. But you go dive and snorkel and do all that stuff. I'll watch from the boat. And if a shark attacks you, don't expect me to jump in and help you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Jaws is uh, Jaws is up there. It's certainly one of the more entertaining. It, it's, it's a movie that encompasses everything. It's got the terror. It's got comedy. It's got great dialogue in terms of, you know, Robert Shaw telling the story of the USS Indianapolis. And, Delivering the bomb. Yeah, yeah. Your memory of movies is insane. Well, I have seen Jaws... I mean, it would be in my top five. Yeah. If Jaws is and on, you, I'm going to watch it. I'm going to keep does, it on one of my TVs. I wouldn't say it's my favorite. I wouldn't say it's the greatest movie ever. Right. But it's obviously it started the blockbuster, right. uh, you know, phenomenon, and uh, you know, and and it, it's 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 an incredible movie. You'd still go swimming in the ocean, right? Uh, that's a big no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've I've made this perfectly clear. This is why I don't camp and I don't go in the ocean. My only goal in life, only goal. Is to not be eaten by something. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. And if that's that's all I'm looking to accomplish in the rest of this ride. All right. So I know I am not going in the ocean. I mean, I'll go in the ocean with my kids up to like my knee. Okay. Something like that. But, uh, you know, I don't think they're going to get me there. I think both of you seeing Jaws that many times has affected There's you. no chance I would ever be 15 miles offshore. And decide I'm gonna go swim around. Well, yeah, the boat. most yeah. people don't do that. Well, whatever. I, I wouldn't even be 200 <laughs> yards off. I and, got it. Uh, and do it. I, I think it's a safe. It's safe to say that getting bit by a poisonous snake, looking for a golf ball, it's a chance that could happen. Maybe getting uh, bitten by a gator. Imagine that if I got bit by a gator. The stories that that we you know the lies that we could create mm-hmm. uh, with that one, but. Going in the ocean, and I want to tell you, when my girls were little and i take them to the beach, you talk about stress. I'd be in the water up to my ankles, watching them in the waves, having the time of their life, and for me, it was 110% straight stress. Wow. That was the same way. It was the worst. Yeah. I mean, I want to take them to the beach, and, and of course, I mean, and, but- I just could not have a good time. I could never let my Don't you want to come lay on the blanket? Don't yeah. you want to go dig and, and look for some snails or, or something? Mm-hmm. You don't have to go actually go in the water. Snails. <laughs> Whatever. Crabs. I don't care. All right. The Jaguars are, are, uh, are healthy. Uh, they, did act, they did add Luke Fortner this week to the injury report with his back. So, you know, the other five remain consistent. 
It's Kendrick Pryor with the shoulder, Jamal Agnew with the shoulder, Trevor Lawrence with the toe, Ross Matisik, the deep snapper with the back, Brandon Sheriff, the abdomen, and again, now you add Luke Fortner with the back. All six are considered questionable. Uh, my understanding is that all six should be good to go. Yeah, I think so, and and that's that's great to see. I'm a little concerned about Fortner just because it's new, um, but you know, hopefully he'll be fine. He hasn't missed an offensive snap this year, which is remarkable for a rookie. Um, I can't get off this Jaws thing, though. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> indulge me. So is Chief Brody the most clutch movie character that you've ever seen? Because that shot he makes at the end of that movie, now he's it's to it's to protect himself. I get that he's not protecting anybody. Else. It's 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 him versus the shark. But Chief Brody, I mean that is a Jordan esque shot at the end of Jaws. The only thing I think is comparable to that would be when Danny Noonan buries the putt <laughs> in Caddyshack. Okay, I mean it's like a triple breaker. Yeah, yeah. People are screaming, yelling at him That's in right. his backswing, mm-hmm. or you know, as he as he pulls back the putter. Financial pressure. Bill Murray has to blow up the golf course in order for it to <laughs> finally fall in. So I think that would be yeah, on well par done. with it. I got nothing there other than maybe Braveheart or something along those lines. Yeah. Uh, we were just talking about the injury report. Gibby will give us the full injury report here in a second. Uh, but as far as Josh Allen, Rick, you mentioned him. I told Hayes the stat in the break. In the in six of the Jaguars' ten victories, so that includes the win over the Chargers. In six of those Jaguars' ten victories, Josh Allen has at least one sack. Mm-hmm. So it basically almost almost always, if Josh Allen gets a sack, the Jaguars are going to do well in a game. You look at his last six games: four sacks, twenty-eight tackles, six for loss, thirteen quarterback hits, thirty-one pressures, two forced fumbles, the fumble recovery for a touchdown. Uh, there's a lot of hidden things here, and and I get it. When you're selected seventh in the draft, people want double-digit sack stats. They 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 want a a Chris Jones who got 15 and a half sacks this year for Kansas City. You're not getting that with Josh Allen, but you are getting a complete football player who they still and I disagree with it, but they still drop him in coverage at times. He's very good against the run. He's just an all-around outside linebacker slash defensive end. If you're looking at Josh Josh Allen to be a a sack artist only, that's not the case. It's not the case. Uh, He really deserves credit because I think uh, it was pretty clear he was not having the kind of season that he was hoping for, and he hasn't gone in the jar. He has responded, and he's a big reason why. Uh, the Jaguars surged and won the AFC South crown and won in the wild card round. He needs help now. And and this is, I think, one of the – if you're going to have an X factor, uh, if you're, if you're going to have some performance come out of nowhere, all right, Trayvon Walker, <laughs> this is your 19th game. You've been in this league now long enough. It would be nice to see Trayvon Walker – have his best game as a Jaguar against Patrick Mahomes and do something particularly early in the game to let Mahomes know, I'm here. Mm-hmm. And he can't make a stupid mistake like he made last week, even though Justin Herbert, you know, was an actor and sold it. As we said at the top of the program, for those of you joining us for the first time, 
This is Sean Hockley and his crew, second in the NFL this year in calling penalties, 14.6 a game, including second most when it comes to roughing the passer. So, boy, how do you handle that? He had the back-to-back weeks where he got the 15-yard personal foul, and then you look at what he did, which was just stupid, really, this past Saturday night. Again, the push wasn't brutal. But you still can't do that, especially when you're a rookie. If 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 Herbert's going to get the call, absolutely, Patrick Mahomes is going to get that call. Well, Justin Herbert was smart and he dove. I mean, he completely flopped. It wasn't like he really got pushed by any means. But yes, you have to be smart enough not to at any point in time do that. And and certainly Devin Lloyd, going back to his issue that one week, he has to be smart enough to tackle the the quarterback. So it, it kind of goes both ways. Both rookies, they're still learning on the job. All right, Gibby. Uh, Rick gave us the Jaguars injury report. What do you have as far as the Chiefs are concerned? The personal injury attorneys of Farah and Farah present this injury update. Farah and Farah. Jacksonville. Protecting you and your family since 1979. Well, on the Chiefs side of things, wide receiver McCole Hardman has been ruled out of this game, did not practice at all this week with a pelvis injury. He's the only one that's been ruled out. Three others are on the report, but will play Frank Clark, Sky Moore, and Legereus Sneed. And I think, guys, didn't McCole Hardman miss the first matchup, too? I think he did. Yeah, I, I want to say that because of that, Kadarius Toney was, That's was right. yeah, pushed in the play. service. He had just got there, and I think he caught, what, five balls? And and want to say he ran it once or twice as he well. He ran it twice for 33 yards a clip. He caught four passes for 57 yards. Did Yeah, Kadarius he's a Tony. pest. He's so talented, but they didn't use him. 14 receptions. I know he hasn't been 100%, but it is – you absolutely have to keep an eye on Kadarius Tony. I'm, I'm I'm looking at his last, um, his last three games. You know, look at his last five games. He he missed a month from late November to late December. But when he came back, he caught one ball for five yards. Then he caught another ball a week later against Seattle for for eight yards. Uh, on the first in against Denver, four receptions, seventy one yards. And then the last game that he played back on January 7th when they were in Las Vegas, he caught two balls for 18 yards. So he has not been the go-to guy, no well, doubt. And it makes you wonder who Mahomes trusts. He trusts Kelsey with his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he trusts Smith-Schuster. He's really built up his trust in McKinnon. Uh, McKinnon is is one of the most underrated players yeah. of the last – month or so. I mean, he has just been catching touchdowns left and right. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised if Kadarius Toney is, if it's, if it's hard to earn the trust. Yeah. I mean, that you're going to have to do that before Patrick Mahomes is going to force feed you the ball. Uh, Hardman's been out since the 6th of November. So he went out the week before the Jaguars met the Chiefs the first time uh, with that pelvis injury, and he is incredibly explosive, but he is not going to be able to give it a go in this one. Overall, you know, you look at Jacksonville, and we we get into this week after week after week. Um, top 10 team, all right? 23.8 a game offensively, 10th in the NFL. They allow 20.6, 12th in the NFL um, there. So 10th and 12th offense and defense. For Kansas City, it's the exact opposite. No one scores like them. They average nearly 30 a game. They're number one in scoring offense. They're number one in total offense. 
Their defense, though, bends a little bit. 21.7 a game, so they're 16th in the NFL. The defense, put it this way, there's not a Kansas City fan alive that would take the scenario of giving the ball to Trevor Lawrence down four with two minutes to go compared to Jacksonville's up four, give the ball to Patrick Mahomes with two minutes to go. 100% of Chiefs fans would say, give us the ball down four. Yeah, no doubt about it. And and that's the... That's still the thing that, you know, Trevor's going to have to prove on a consistent basis. Um, I think he is going to do it. Uh, not tomorrow, but I, I mean, I think he's going to do it as his career uh, continues to blossom. But that's the thing with Mahomes. We saw it last year. I mean, the guy needs 13 seconds. Mm-hmm. It, it's incredible. That's what's so amazing about Kansas City is he is a mesmerizing player. The things that Patrick Mahomes can do – are just rare. I mean, they're, they're they're rare to pretty much Patrick Mahomes. Yep. And, again, if they win, that'll be his fifth consecutive AFC championship game at the age of 27, his fifth straight at Arrowhead. Actually, they're going to change that now. That They would have to play it. They can play in Atlanta, right? Mm-hmm. If, if it's the Bills. If it is the Bills. and hey, I like Cincinnati in that game. Even with three down offensive linemen? Yeah. Wow. Josh Allen's too been too sloppy with he, the ball. He, he has. I just I trust Burrow more. Yeah. Even uh, even if Burrow knows he's got to get rid of it quick. For those of you who do not know, Cincinnati will not have Collins, Kappa, and Williams on their offensive line in their matchup against Buffalo uh, coming up this weekend as well. Pete Prisco's coming up. We'll talk with Pete, uh, of course, with CBS Sports. Get his input on this matchup. Frank Frangie's going to check in from Kansas City next hour. Also, we'll go to Las Vegas and check the money with our good friend, the Philly Rooster. All of that is coming up with Hayes Carline and Lauren Brooks. My name is Rick Ballew. Agent Gibbs with you as well tonight till 6. Time for all things Jaguars and NFL with Pete Prisco. The Prisco Report, presented by Showtime Sports Cards and Collectibles. Showtime. On the Frangie Show. Head to Showtime tomorrow for the pregame card show from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Tons of great vendors and items. That is tomorrow at Showtime, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. Make sure you go get your Jaguars autographed items before the game. Showtime Sports Cards and Collectibles is located at the corner of Phillips and Shad Road. And, of course, you can find Showtime on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as we welcome in Pete Prisco. Pete, what would you think of that Jaguars victory over the Chargers? Well, that was a hell of a game, I'll tell you that. That was uh... – Fun to watch, and uh, I imagine anybody who was there was having a great time. I mean, it felt like the place was rocking. And, you know, look, they just got a little starstruck early in that game. I think that's what happens sometimes to young teams, and they don't know how to handle the postseason. It's a new thing for them, and, and, you know, I think that happened. And then once they settled in, Trevor Lawrence played like the great quarterback he's going to be. So I think it was a fantastic game, and they're going to need more, much more of that, and they can't get behind against Kansas City. No, they're such a better uh, coach team. You spot Andy Reid, 27 points. He's going to find a way to run out that clock, unlike Brandon Staley. But, Pete, you know what was interesting to me watching this game is it looked like early on, and Pro Football Focus didn't support it, but it, it looked like L.A. was getting pressure. It also looked like early on Jacksonville's wide receivers were struggling to get into some open space. That changed later in the game, but did you see it that way as well? I don't. The pressure wasn't that great. I think what what happened was they weren't getting open. I mean, you. I went back and watched the tape. The guys weren't winning, and they they matched up well with them and, and played good coverage against them. And 
And, uh, you know, they didn't do a great job of sitting down in the zones when they were there. And Trevor misread the one crossing route. He thought he was a man, and he had the safety sitting right there, the corner sitting right there, and you can't do that. So I think it was a combination of things, Rick. You know, the pressure really wasn't great the entire day. I mean, you got to give Walker Little and and Juwan Taylor a lot of credit for handling those two guys on the outside. There was some leaks inside, you know, or maybe early on, that's what you're talking about. But for the most part, I thought they handled the outside pressure. Pete, what does a performance like that for Trevor Lawrence do for his career now, in your opinion? Well, you know, we, we talked about the Baltimore game as being a moment for him to go drive and win it. And, you know, now you do that in the postseason, and it's another major moment. And, you know, these quarterbacks all have those. You know, there's the great regular season moment, then there's the great playoff moment, and then there's winning those playoff games. And I think that's, that's where he is now. Uh, and, and it's the kind of thing that, you know, can – there aren't a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL, by the way. I don't care how good they are, how veteran they are, who come back from four interceptions and a half. And, and only two of them were his fault. But the reality is, is that's hard to come back from, and he did. I, I think that tells you a lot about him. It tells you a lot about, you know, Doug Peterson and the way he calls the game. But it, it's the kind of game that can, you know, really elevate you to the elite, uh, the elite, which I think he's headed to, by the way. Pete, as far as keys to the game tomorrow for the Jaguars over the Chiefs, ETN's got to be able to have the Jaguars hold the ball some and maybe go over 100 yards and then limit Kelsey. That's easier said than done, though, right? Well, I think first and foremost, you got to block Chris Joe. He's a game wrecker, and whatever you do, you block him. You know, the rest of that defense, if they beat you, they beat you. And I'm talking about Karlaftis, who's starting to get pressure on the outside. Frank Clark hasn't been very good this year. Um, so I think if you block Chris Jones, whatever way you do it, block him, double him, whatever you have to do, keep, take him out of the game, then I think you can have success against them. So I think Chris Jones is number one priority for the Jacksonville offense. If they block him, they're going to have success down the field. And remember, I went back and watched the tape of the, of the last time they played. Christian Kirk destroyed Legereus Sneed in that game, just abused him. Uh, he couldn't cover him. And I think that's a matchup to keep an eye on on uh, on Sunday. And then on the other side of the ball, you have to contain Mahomes and keep him in that pocket. He's so dangerous when he gets outside. Kelsey's going to get his. You're not taking him away. Um, I mean, do everything you can to try and take him away and make the other guy beat you, but contain Mahomes. If he's in that pocket and he's not getting outside creating and, and making those off-schedule plays, then I think you have a chance to beat him, which puts more pressure on Josh Allen and Trayvon Walker. This is Trayvon Walker's moment, okay? This is the moment for you. Everybody keeps talking about it's going to happen, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. At some point, he's going to become a good pass rusher. Go do it this week. This is the moment for Trayvon Walker. Pete Prisco, our guest, CBS Sports senior writer, and uh, joining us here with Rick Ballou, Hayes, Carline, Lauren Brooks, and Gibby. Let's stay with Kansas City um, or, or with Jacksonville on offense here a little bit. You, you talked about, obviously, how great of the year uh, Chris Jones has had. They addressed the secondary in the draft, and you know they, they've used three corners. They've used this safety uh, in this contain. Um, this week, Doug Peterson talked about being creative, perhaps so, showing some things they haven't shown this year. I think both these defenses start in nickel. I, it's going to be a pass game first. We know that. But what do you believe here, uh, Pete, with, with this youthful secondary? Uh, can Jacksonville expose that tomorrow? Yes, they can. And again, that goes back to the Chris Jones theory on blocking them and you beat them. I, I, you know, look, both linebackers can fly. Both of them can really fly. Bolton and Gay can run. They're not big guys, but they can run. 
but you talk about that secondary. I mean, Watson's a rookie. McDuffie's a rookie. You know, Snead's not an old player. He's a good player. He's not an old player. Justin Reed came over in free agency. I, I think there's going to be opportunities for you to have success against them. And you got to take advantage of those when you can, which means you got to protect. Uh, it's going to be Walker Little again. It's going to be Juwan Taylor again. And, and you know, Sheriff has to play better uh, than what he's played at times this year. I, I think it's a big moment for that offensive line. If they protect, uh, I think Trevor Lawrence is going to put up big numbers. And and then the other side, the same thing. you got to be able to rush the quarterback and get him down on the ground sometimes and influence him. You know, I, in rewatching that game, McKinnon had a – he wasn't even supposed to play that game. And he had eight catches for 50 yards or something in that game. And he's had a touchdown in, what, six straight games catching the ball out of the backfield. You have to keep an eye on him as well because I think he could be big uh, tomorrow. Yeah, that's a, a massive challenge without a doubt. Pete, I'm, I'm curious. So Doug Peterson opened the first meeting with – a surprise on sidekick. I'd obviously you'd like to try something like that again. Um, if you're advising him, if you've already pulled that out, what are some things that you might consider doing? Or do you just say, look, we've, we've already played the card. They're going to be on guard for everything. So we're going to have to just not try anything. No, you could try stuff. I mean, I think he's going to get creative with the plays. Um, but I, I just think you got to put it on that right arm and let him rip it. You went out and signed those three guys in free agency. All three of them have had big years. you got a franchise quarterback, and you have an offensive line that's been protecting. Go rip it. Go, you know, go let him go. Let him throw for 365 and, and three. You know, don't, don't get so enamored with, oh, because I've seen this happen. I've been there for many a playoff game. If you go in there and think you're going to run the ball, and control the clock, next thing you know, you look up, you're down 14-3. And then all of a sudden, your plan goes out the window. Sure, you got to mix in ETN, but get him, get him in space. Get him the ball in the passing game as well. And I think that's the way to attack the Chiefs. I wouldn't try and, and play any differently than what they did in the second half last week. Spread them out, throw the ball around, and, you know, go have fun. This is, again, I go back, I say this a lot, and Rick was there for this. In 96, they went to, you know, they, they had that run at the end of the year, got in looped in, started believing in themselves, went to Buffalo, fell behind, and they were losing in that game. They were skating at one point, regrouped, found a way to win that game. Then they go on the road against a team nobody gave them a chance to beat. Same kind of situation. And next thing you know, they're down again. But they regrouped, and they didn't punt. People talk about that game being a fluke. They didn't punt from the first quarter on, Jacksonville. So go in there. You're playing with house money. Play free, play loose. And start believing in yourself. And if they do that, they're going to hang around in the game, and who knows what could happen. And they might have won in 96 in Foxborough if the folks there didn't shut off the lights for 10 minutes. And that was their worst game, Rick. That was the worst opponent they played that year, huh? and that was the worst game. You know, That was they, a they brutally cold game. game. Yeah, I, oh, that, that was oh. ridiculous how, how, how cold it was. I can't believe I'm going to ask you this, but I am. It's a Sean Hockley crew. He's second in... Penalties called, 14.6. There's a lot of people around here who thought many more penalties should have been called this past Saturday night against Los Angeles. When you got a guy like Trayvon Walker, you throw down Herbert, yeah, he sold it, but he got the call. What do you say to these guys overall about an officiating crew that loves to throw the flag? Uh, be careful. That's all. I mean, look, you got to be careful. You've got to be smart. You can't have all that chippy crap after the flag. You, get, you can't let those penalties get involved. But by the way, I didn't think Walker should have been flagged for that. I thought Herbert, you know, was an actor. 
um, should have been called because he was kind of like just pushing himself up and out of the way. Uh, but again, you got to be careful. You can't have the dumb stuff. And we've seen teams over the years in Jacksonville do some really dumb stuff on the field. You can't do that, particularly with a crew that's going to throw the uh, the penalty. And you can't have any of those, you know, try and eliminate, like, okay, Juwan Taylor, did he get off early? Probably. It was close, but it probably. you got to be careful with that because you know after last week they're going to really zone in on that. Any any offensive lineman that leaves in even a tick early is going to get a flag. All right, Pete, they're going to have to play their perfect game to win. Uh, just about everyone out there thinks Kansas City uh, pulls out the victory on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, and I do too. I, but I do think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be over 30 each team. It's going to be fun. It's going to be, uh, you know, not unlike last week. And, and you know what, if they had come away and not made that field goal, then everybody would have said, oh, what a bad season it was. Well, now it's gravy. So, and, and I think it's going to be a lie like that. And it's a close game, and they're going to play hard. They're just not there yet, but boy, I'll tell you what, the next decade is going to be fun. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Pete, enjoy all the games this weekend. Thank you. You got it, guys. Take care. There he goes, Pete Prisco, CBS Sports senior writer, a regular here on Fridays. All right, 5 o'clock hour is upon us. Frank Frangie's going to check in live from Kansas City. The Philly Rooster's going to check in live from Las Vegas, and we are going to check the money. Hayes Carline, Lauren Brooks, Agent Gibbs, my name is Rick Ballou. If you want to get a hold of us, the best way to do so is on the text line. That is 641-1010, brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. It's a big tire Friday on the Frangie Show. For all of your tires and automotive service needs, it's big tire. I'm going to Kansas City, Kansas City, here we come. Uh-huh. I'm going to Kansas City. Kansas City, teal and black, here we come. Gonna stop on down at Arrowhead and watch the Jaguars win us one. And the Jags are gonna win. The Jags are gonna win. I'll be watching Trevor. Watching Trevor sling the rock. Trevor Lawrence. Oh, you do it 16. What a throw. I'll be watching Trevor. Watching Trevor's blowing locks. Playing loose, just being yourself in Kansas City. With my number 16 jersey, oh, the how the Chiefs are gonna talk. They're gonna shut up, too. Well, I might take a train, I might take a plane, but if I have to walk, I'm going just the same. I'm going to Kansas City. Kansas City, here we come. Hopefully ride this momentum and use this juice this week in Kansas City. Gonna cheer the Jackson Arrowhead and shout Duval when we won. <laughs> Take it, Bruce! <laughs> hey, Patrick, the defense is coming. It ain't the same team you just saw. No, 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 Patrick. Hey, Andy, Doug Peterson knows you. He knows you well. Y'all better get ready. Now our uh, defense is savage, Rayshon and Josh. Mahomes is going to suck it. Cheats get lost. I'm going to Kansas City. Kansas City, here we come. Going to stop on down at Arrowhead and watch the Jaguars win us one. The Jags are going to win it. Are you kidding me? Going to spank the Chiefs at Arrowhead and watch them cry. When it's done, those are tears, real tears. Gonna cheer the Jags at Arrowhead and shout, Duval, when we won. 
All right, we have uh, lost some great singer-songwriters as of late. Christine McVie, of course, David Crosby yesterday. However... Dan Hicken is still alive and well. We still have Dan (laughs) Hicken put together. Kind of catchy. Moving up in the charts, I'm told. All across our great nation. I I think it's uh, the start of something beautiful this weekend. Does Dan do that sober? He, he's not a. He, I know does he's not Dan a big. Do anything sober? No. Yes. He, as a yeah, matter of fact, know, he, he does he, everything. He sober. does everything I, sober. I, and I, I think I've seen Dan. I've known Dan for thirty years. I think I've seen him with a drink in his hand maybe once. Yeah. Um. I'm just wondering, is he stone sober when he does that? I would think so. Yeah. I don't know. Do not know at all. Also. Do not know this. Um, we'll find out when he writes his memoir. And, and I did not know this until earlier in the week. You realize that Jacksonville has won outright eight games this year as an underdog? It's crazy. Not cover the spread yeah. now. I'm talking about winning a football game. It's it's tied a a modern day, and, and even before the merger, um, it's a record that five other teams have done They've also now won four straight games where they were an underdog, including, of course, last week here. It was a small line. It was somewhere in the neighborhood of about two points. This is different, though. I mean, if you're shopping, you're finding it somewhere nine, nine and a half. There were even some tens out there. Is this the biggest win they've ever had if they pull it off? Uh, No, Denver. Isn't it? It's going to be hard to beat that one. Denver. But in this century. I, I think it might mean more. Because of the pain that the fans have had to go through, that obviously they never went through leading up to beating Denver. Uh, but you're, I mean, in term, from a point spread standpoint, from a shock standpoint, that yeah. was shocking. What was that, 16 points? Yes. Um, and as Pete Prisco, you know, as, as we talked about, they didn't punt after the first quarter. That, that win in Denver, I, I, because it was year two of the franchise, and let's face it, they came out of nowhere. I, I think the feeling now is that they're one year ahead of where they should be. And, you know, if they win, this remains gravy. But I, I, I think the constant for Jaguar fans is this. They now know that they have a 23-year-old quarterback who will not be 24 until October of 2023. This becomes the norm. This, this is now what is going to be expected Year after year after year, unless someone in the AFC South makes a trade and gets Aaron Rodgers, okay, Jacksonville's going to be favored above everyone else by every sports entity there is when it comes to predicting who wins the AFC South this year. I totally agree. And moving forward as well, because we know those three organizations are going through a lot of changes. I mean, the Texans and the Colts right now are interviewing head coaches, and the Texans have obviously fired their head coach two years in a row. Look, I, yes, this division will most likely go as Trevor Lawrence goes. You hope that this team is as healthy in the coming years as they were this year. I think that's a big part of it. But the other thing, too, and I know we don't even want to think this way, but if the Jaguars don't get off to a great start next season or the season thereafter, you should still have faith because yeah. this team started off 2-6 and six and then 3-7, and seven, and they still ended up winning enough games to obviously win the AFC South and, and make the playoffs and win a game in the playoffs. And so – even if things don't go according to plan early in the season, Doug Peterson still has the capability to take the team where he wants them to go. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And again, they're going to have moments in 2023 where it doesn't look right. 
I mean, that that's just the nature of, of how football works when you're playing a, a first-place schedule that's going to include the Chiefs and Cincinnati and Buffalo and San Francisco. I mean, it is, it is going to be a, a much uh, more difficult path. But the thing that I keep coming back to is the AFC South looks dreadful. Tennessee's the only team that I would concede if they were able to land the right quarterback this offseason then maybe they've got another year or two, you know, with Henry. Uh, I mean, I would not want to face Aaron Rodgers and Derrick Henry. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that would be trouble. That's that's scary. Um, but short of that, and I don't know why Aaron Rodgers would go there unless it was just the only place available. Right. Uh, I I just I don't see Houston or Indianapolis. No. Being able to contend in the next two or three years, I don't think this quarterback class is really all that good. So I don't, I'm not, I have no fear of Bryce Young or Will Levis entering this division. Yeah. And Tom Brady's not going to the AFC South. And Lamar Jackson, it was evident yesterday, you know, Greg Roman resigns and Jim, uh, John Harbaugh comes out and says that Lamar Jackson's going to have a great deal. Uh, to say with our next offensive coordinator, and I understand that he's a free agent, but he's not going anywhere. They're going to slap a franchise tag on him, worst-case scenario. So those quarterbacks are are not going in uh, the AFC South. This Jaguar team is remarkable. Outside of their, you know, destruction in Detroit, where they just got blown out, They've been in every single one of these games. Now, they've had some really bad performances in London against Denver. Okay, up 14 nothing with a chance for a 51-yard field goal at Philadelphia. They went for it. It was the first of four fumbles by Trevor Lawrence. Uh, the loss here against Houston, the pick at, at the goal line. Some bad performances. But the point I'm trying to make, 18 games now, they've only been out of one all year. That was in Detroit. Every other game, win or lose, they have been in it for nearly 60 minutes. They have, and and they deserve to be commended for that. It does give me some pause because Detroit is sort of a poor man's Kansas City. They they have an impressive array of weapons. Obviously, Mahomes is light years ahead of Goff, but Goff played well this year. And again, they got no pressure on him. And Detroit had multiple weapons for for Goff to distribute the ball to, and uh, and and the offense didn't play well. Etienne had the fumble early. Uh, that game is out there tomorrow in Arrowhead. I mean, the Jaguars are going to have to be on guard, play well. Travis Etienne, you can't fumble right out of the gate. The the pass rush is going to have to bother Mahomes. Uh, Trevor is is going to have to play really well. I. Uh, it's going to take everything. But if they're able to do it, I mean, I, I think from a euphoria standpoint, I don't know that there won't be more excitement and celebration in this city tomorrow night, uh, certainly in Kansas City with the, the diehards that are making the trip. If, if they're able to pull this off, I, I don't know that we'll have seen anything like it. I think this is the hardest of the three that remain. I, I, I – would rather have them going to Buffalo next week and facing Philadelphia. If you take top seeds, I like their chances better against Buffalo and Philadelphia than I do tomorrow against Kansas City. I believe that Kansas City is the best team right now in the NFL. You got to hop on a plane uh, for Kansas City. Give us your final 
uh, moment here, including a prediction. I think the Chiefs get it done. Uh, I think it's very high scoring, very entertaining. I think Trevor will play fantastic. But at the end of the day, I just think the Chiefs are, are the stronger all-around team. I've got it Kansas City 38, Jaguars 34. I think wow. the Jags cover really entertaining. But I, I do think the Chiefs walk off the field with the win. A lot of points, man. 72 points in the divisional round. Safe travels. Thanks. I appreciate it. It's been fun. Hayes Carlin on his way to Kansas City. Uh, Hayes and I laid down a podcast earlier in the week. We do it each and every week. If you would like to listen to that, you can. It's called Death, Taxes, and Duval. You can get it by going to 1010XL.com. Coming up next, the voice of the Jaguars. Frank Frangie joins us from Kansas City later this hour in about 25 minutes as well. We will go live to Las Vegas and hear from the Philly Rooster. We will check the money on all four of these divisional playoff games. Frank Frangie joins us now, the voice of the Jaguars from Kansas City. Frank, something about this song is even better knowing it's ahead of playoff football for the Jaguars. I agree with you. That means it's time to just about to say goodbye for you guys. Hello, Lauren and Rick, and thank you guys. Uh, uh, Rick, thanks for helping hold down the fort here. Um, here it is uh, about 40 degrees. Clear, beautiful day, just cold, and boy, oh boy, people here in Kansas City are ready. So just got off the plane, uh, had spent a little bit of time with the Kansas City folk here, but we are we are excited about being here. Man, I'm excited about this game. I really am. What about some of the intangibles here, Frank? Uh, weather is certainly a factor that will favor Kansas City. Incredible home crowd, uh, Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, they've been in these big games year after year. For crying out loud, if Mahomes wins this, this will be his fifth consecutive AFC championship game. So it feels like just another game for Kansas City. You know what, Rick? It's funny. The intangibles are, there's some weather. I think the tangibles are the hard thing. You just hit it. Kansas City's really good. This is a real, I think it's a generational team. Now, because the Patriots set the bar for what generational really is, Rick. I mean, they, they, they want all those. I mean, nobody, they're the Bulls. They're the Chicago Bulls. They, they set the bar so high before you call anybody generational, you got to compare them to the Patriots or basketball teams to the Bulls, and I get that. But this Chiefs team is really good. Andy Reid, he's only 64. He's not going anywhere. That's not old because I'm 64 and I'm not going anywhere, right? So he's not going anywhere. Patrick Mahomes is only 27. He's obviously not going anywhere. Uh, so, yeah, this is a team for the ages. It really is. But, look, the weather, I don't mind. It looks like it's going to snow tomorrow. Rick, I don't mind that because, yes, Kansas City is more accustomed to it. But it also slows the game down a little bit. I think the Jags are going to have to slow it down. The, the Jags would way rather have an 11-play, uh, seven-minute drive than a 70-yard touchdown. You don't want to turn this thing into a track meet against these guys. So I think it's the tangibles almost more than the intangibles. You're just playing a really good Chiefs team. and They are, like you said, they go to this thing every year. It's a really good team. Frank, how do the Jaguars contain Travis Kelsey? Well, I, I think that's one of the big questions, Lauren, is they tried to play Devin Lloyd on him earlier. He wasn't ready for that. It was too early in the season. Devin had to figure some things out. So so, so, so I don't think he's going to be man-to-man. I think what they've evolved into, as we've all talked about, is this zone team where you keep everything in front of you and don't let anything beat you over the top. So I would think, even with Kelsey, even though that's usually how you play a wide receiver, here's my guess. My guess is you play a lot of zone, and even with Kelsey, you don't let him go streaking down the field. Uh, I think you're going to probably see safeties play a little deeper. Now, look, Rayshon Jenkins has been great at playing in the box. I think you're going to see less of that. I think you're going to see Andre Sisco deeper. I think you're going to see keep everything in front of you. So whether that means Juju Smith-Schuster, whether that means uh, Travis Kelsey, whoever whoever the 
their Valdez Scaling, whoever that is, I think is keep everybody in front of you, Lauren. I think that's how, from a from a technique standpoint or a strategy standpoint, I think that's how you got to play. And back to Rich's point about the weather, you know what? Make them go the length of the field too, right? It's going to be snowy. I think it's going to snow during the game, so make everybody uh, uh, prod along or trot along a little bit here. Joe Cullen moved over to Kansas City. He's done a real nice job uh, on that defensive line. You you look at what Chris Jones gives you, 15 and a half sacks. That first matchup, they got to Trevor five times, and that was a big difference overall in the game. I think Jacksonville's done a better job as of late when it comes to pass protection, but just overall, you know, solving this Kansas City defense, I think it's going to take way into the 30s uh, to win it, uh, your thoughts there, Frank, and including a very young secondary that Kansas City has. They play four rookies. Yeah, 100% what you said about the 30s. Rick, I think the winner, now again, weather could mitigate that a bit, but by and large, I think the, win, the winner of the game is going to be in the 30s. Whether it's 31-24, whether it's 38-31, whoever wins this game is going to be in the 30s. I agree with you on that. You know, two things about the Jags, what happened before up here. Number one, it's a different Jag. We all know it's a different Jags team than the one that came up here. Same players, different team, right? It's 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 uh, they've won six in a row, seven of nine. That's not the team that came up. Yet, Rick, it helps that they were here. It helps that they've been in that stadium, that they've been in that locker room, that they've come through the tunnel, that they've driven up in the buses and seen all those crazy tailgaters. I mean, Kansas City is like a college game. I tell people that all the time. Kansas City and Buffalo, it's like a college atmosphere, just like the bank was the last two weeks. And it helps that the Jaguars have seen all that. Familiarity matters, particularly with the young team. But, yeah, I, I, and to your point about the secondary, I think you're right about that. The two linebackers are really good. Okay, they are, they are real, Their two linebackers can really play. But two SEC guys, by the way, so, so certainly they've played in big games too. Chris Jones is almost unblockable. He, he's really good. But if you do protect, and if you're not throwing underneath stuff for those linebackers because they're both so fast, if you're not if you're not doing if you're throwing it over the top a little bit, yeah, I agree with you. The secondary, if there's a weakness on this Kansas City team, I mean, offense, defense, special teams. Even though Butter's not had a good year, by the way, but but if there's a weakness on this team, it's the secondary, and I think you'll see the Jags try and hit some balls down the field. And to that point, Frank, the Chiefs' defense allowed a passer rating of 112 against downfield passes, so passes that travel at least 10 yards. So hopefully that's where maybe Christian Kirk and Zay Jones get involved. If you're Doug Peterson, how do you get creative tomorrow? Well, let me go to the first thing you said. Sure. They, right. The Chiefs allowed, allowed more downfield stuff than other teams. That's your point. But one of the reasons is the Chiefs are always ahead, and teams have no choice but to go downfield. The Chiefs are the best team in the league at taking the other team's run out of play, right? Because because if you're up twenty eight, if you're down twenty eight seven, you can't run it anymore. And the Chiefs are very good at taking the other. So that's that stat's a little bit misleading, but it is a true stat. Oh, I think Doug's going to be creative, Doug Lauren. I think he's going to be. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's another Philly special. I don't know if it's something. Here's what we learned from that T formation thing last week. He's got stuff we haven't even seen yet. He's only been here one. You he hadn't even been here a full year yet. Doug Peterson is so creative. Who knows what it's going to be? I think you got to try and steal a possession. Uh, do they onside kick again? Do they take a punt? Do they go for it on fourth down on a very unusual situation? But I think you may steal a possession here or two. I think you got to try some things that, that the Kansas City Chiefs couldn't have seen on tape. And we talked about this during the week on our show, and Rick, I'll bet you did too. The magic of that fourth down and half yard thing, where they lined up in a T formation yeah. and ran a sweep out of the T. Rick, the magic of that play is there's no way – the Chargers could have prepared for it because they've never seen it. They've right. never seen the Jaguars do it. And, and and I wouldn't be surprised if you see something like that tomorrow. 
the Jags do something that nobody possibly could have seen them do. Uh, final thoughts with Frank Frangie, voice of the Jags. He's in Kansas City. Keep it here all throughout the remainder of the night and all tomorrow beginning at 1130 with nonstop coverage uh, to get you ready for a kick. All right. Andy Reid's brilliant. He's not going to blow a 27 nothing lead. He, he's going to find a way to take some clock. Um, zero penalties for Kansas City the first time they faced Jacksonville. You know, I asked Prisco this, and I'm going to ask you it as well. I never thought I would it would get to this, but that's where we are. This is a Sean Hockley crew. He's second right. in the NFL in most penalties, 14.6. So the dreaded, oh, here we go again, officiating, yeah. determining the outcome of this game. We all hope that's not the case, but with this crew, you got to believe that that's out there. Yeah, with one, I agree. With one mitigating factor, Rick, it was clear last week, certainly in the Jags-Chargers game, but really throughout the, throughout the weekend, it was clear, whether they'll ever tell us this or not, there's a directive not to throw flags. How many, how many times in the Jags-Chargers game and then beyond that some of those other games did you see a penalty that wasn't called that in the regular season would have been? Heck, there were more pass interferences uh, against the Jags I thought they were uncalled last, last week than all year long. So I'm hopeful this, this crew will do the same thing, not miss calls, but won't call as many. The other thing you worry about is you you just hope that the crew doesn't help the home team or the better team because you want the better team to advance. I always worry about that in college football. You certainly hope that's not the case here. But look, I think the Jags can't get caught up in that, man. Go play. Go. Don't get caught up in the atmosphere. Don't get caught up in the greatness of the Chiefs. Don't get caught up in the crowd. Just go play. And the one thing Doug Peterson's been so freaking good at is that. One of the reasons they've won six in a row, seven out of eight. They've played so well. One of the reasons they've been this good is because they just go and play, man. They don't get caught up in the stuff. They don't get too high. They don't get too low. We get too high. I've been high out all week long. Lauren's been trying to calm me down all week long. I'm crazy for this thing, right? But they don't. They don't get too high or too low. Just go play. It's going to be, I'll tell you, it's going to be a fun setting. It's going to be interesting because the weather now, again, it's going to be in the low 30s. Everything I'm seeing, everything we're hearing is snow throughout the game. When's the last time we watched the game? that involved the Jaguars. Have y'all thought about that, where there's snow throughout the game? I can't remember mm. one. Cleveland? It was it Cleveland? Is that the last one, I maybe? I think so. Where, where, where it snowed throughout. And, and, that may, and look, forecasts can change in five minutes, right? But at least for now, it looks like that's the kind of game we're going to get. I, I can't wait. I love, and by the way, the beauty is that they're here. Let me tell you one of the narratives that we've had here. Uh, I'm, I'm going long on you guys and indulge me. I want to know what you guys think about this. One of the narratives that everybody in Kansas City has been talking about and that, that I've been thinking, and we've all been talking about, whoever wins tomorrow, this is the precursor of stuff to come, I think, regardless of who wins. As I said, Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes aren't going anywhere. Doug Peterson just got here. Trevor Lawrence just got here. I think what we've seen from Jacksonville is real. They didn't fall into those six straight wins. I think this is real. I think we're going to see some Chiefs-Jaguars playoff games down the road. We might see them in some AFC championship down the road. Don't you guys get the sense? That this is, and I know the I know the Bengals are here too, and I know the Bills are here too. But I don't think it's an accident that these are the four, and I think the Jags are going to be playing and stuff like this for a long time. Well, the eight quarterbacks who remain, only one has won a Super Bowl, and that is Patrick Mahomes. I mean, the man is eight and three lifetime of the playoffs. His three losses, two in an AFC Championship game in Kansas City, the other in a Super Bowl. Absolutely. I mean, Trevor Lawrence is only twenty three. He'll be twenty four in October. Of this year, I mean, this could set up for the next decade plus the expectations 
with Lawrence in Jacksonville being in big playoff games. Yeah, I, I said, Lauren, you feel the same way? You feel like it's going to be here for a long time, right? That's what Absolutely. We, got. we talked so. about it this week, Frank. I said, I, th- I think this is the beginning of a rivalry between the Jaguars yeah. and the Chiefs. Yeah. And, and if that's the case, uh, that's good news for us here because the Chiefs have been to five straight AFC championship games. All right, what's the plan tonight? Uh, we, we found a little steakhouse, Wagyu for the win. Uh, okay. we've, we've had a, our group has had a Wagyu ribeye every week, and we keep winning, so you can't mess that up, right? I mean, you got to I mean, Absolutely. You don't mess with a streak, Lauren. Never mess with a streak. So I think I, I actually think I'm going. I think Tony and I are going to. Jeff's got something to do with the sponsor dinner, but I think Tony and I are going to go by the Bold City Brigade party. They've got a gigantic party. Capitals guys do a fantastic job with that. So I think Tony and I and a couple others are going to go by that uh, Bold City Brigade get together for about a half an hour, forty five minutes, and going to go get a big. I heard those steaks are good here in Kansas City, so we're going to get a big steak and be ready to play tomorrow. All right, Frank. Well, you have a great call tomorrow. We will certainly be listening. Thanks so much for joining uh, us. All right, Lauren and Rick. Take care. Thank you. See you, Frank. Yep. There you go. Can't mess with a streak. No doubt about that. You, you think this is more exciting to talk winning football and a, a decade of winning football as opposed to winning one or three games a year? I think playoff football is slightly more exciting than yeah. talking about the draft in October. <laughs> yes. Hey, you know, I, I just peaked. The draft is 97 days away. I remember when it was 100 every year. It's like, I would highlight that day <laughs> because typically we're so deep in the free agency in the draft in December and January. Obviously, that's not the case with what the Jags are doing this year. All right. When we do return, let's go to Las Vegas. Let's check the money. All right. I, I saw something earlier today. Let me see if I have that real quick before uh, we head to our break and, and bring in the Philly Rooster. Uh, let me see. Do I have it here? Yada, yada, yada. Uh, Somehow. All right. Yes. Here we go. Uh, 56.6% of the money is on Jacksonville plus nine. 90.9% of the money is on the Chiefs money line. You got to lay a lot to win a little. It's a bad risk, man. It's minus 470 to the dollar. And 56.8% of the money is absolutely on the over, I agree with that. I think it's going way over 52. But the Philly Rooster, he's got his fresh numbers from out there in Las Vegas. We'll take a look at the four divisional games. Spent a little extra time, obviously, on Jacksonville in Kansas City. We go to Vegas. The Philly Roosters joins us next right here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. All right, let's make our way to Las Vegas each and every week on Into the Night. I do bring in the Philly Rooster. We have him a little bit earlier this afternoon, and he joins us live from Las Vegas. Philly Rooster, what an incredible weekend for you, uh, particularly your, your your big heavy play on Dallas, also uh, telling us to take New York plus the three, the Jaguars. Uh, need I go on? Yeah, we, we had a good week, to say the least. I mean, that Jaguars game, I'm still pinching myself. I I actually texted you and, and basically gave, gave up hope and said, all right, on to the next. And then about 20 minutes later, uh, we were right in that thing. It was a, an amazing game and an amazing weekend. Would you – how do you feel about first-half plays? Because, you know, the, the latest trend is that Jacksonville is in a coma uh, early – in the first and second quarter, would you consider, I mean, I love this game to go over against Kansas city. Would you consider a first half under? Yeah. Uh, I bet a lot of first half, uh, unders depending 
on the way the team's trending in the first half, uh, the first half line versus the full game line. Sometimes you'll get a game that's like 41 and they'll hang a 21 and a half on it. Uh, so there's a little bit of advantage going under there. But yeah, I definitely look at the way teams have been performing both in the first half and the second half. When you get a team like Cincinnati and the Giants, major second half teams. Um, I've made some second half bets on those. But again, most of that stuff I do is around key numbers because, you know, I look at the history when these numbers hit, how often they hit. And um, going under a 20 and a half or something like that, that's suicide. All right. Give us the latest. Uh, what do you make out of Jacksonville visiting Kansas City? Yeah, this game opened eight and a half, 51 and a half. The over took a little bit of money. Uh, 52 is a pretty decent number. It's sitting eight and a half, 52 and a half now. The bet count is 50 50 on this game right now. Again, I always stress bet counts before the day of the game aren't as accurate as day of the game. But right now, it's sitting 50 50. But 70% of the money is on the Jags. So short money is on the Jags here. Um, the public money is keeping this 50-50 on the ticket count, but the, the short money definitely feels the Jags can cover this spread. For a lot of good reasons, the Chiefs are not good against the spread. Andy Reid lets everybody back in the game in the second half. And I'm with the Sharps here. I like the Jags. I like the plus eight and a half. Um, I am going to bet a little bit on the money line because although Andy Reid is great coming off a bye, their defense has been suspect all year, and the Jags peaked at the right time. That's major return on the money line if, in fact, you do take uh, Jacksonville, of course, uh, straight up there, an eight-and-a-half point, in some circles, maybe even nine-point uh, underdog here against the Kansas City Chiefs. All right, let's move on. Uh, three other big games uh, coming up this weekend as well uh, in the NFL. Um you know, what What do you make of, of New York going into Philadelphia? And, and Philly, obviously, like Kansas City, the benefit of the bye a week ago. Yeah, the bye is huge. Kansas City and the Eagles have it. Um, it hasn't been huge to win the Super Bowl since 2018. Uh, but it, it is huge, especially when you're a team like the Eagles. Lane Johnson is a major component to that team. Uh, he's like the, the general on the offense and he's going to play but he's foregoing surgery so he is definitely not 100 percent. although they're trying to convince betters that he is uh jalen hurts has a shoulder injury this team this game opened seven and a half seven and 47 and a half creeped up to seven and a half and 48 and a half uh right now this is the most even game betting wise on the board uh, about 55 percent of the ticket counts on the giants and about 56% of the money out here in Vegas hmm. is on the Giants. So and that's pretty close to 50-50. Uh, the way I see this game is the Giants are on a roll. They're kind of like the Jags in the, AFC, in the NFC. So I just think they peaked at the right time. I think the Eagles are going to squeak out a win here, but I'm going to be taking seven and a half on the Giants here. Uh, the Philly Rooster. Philly Rooster, tell our listeners how they can get a hold of you, please. At Philly Rooster on Twitter, um, we gave out a bunch of free games. Saturday's our big day for the Rooster Hotline. Bunch of free plays, especially in college basketball. Um, and then we'll be giving out our insights uh, for the free moves on the NFL games as well. So at Philly Rooster on Twitter, 
and phillygodfather.com, and it's 3 bucks a day. Sign up. You get all the games I bet with my own money. I, you can't beat it. Uh, Run a little bit tight here on time, so let's go through these two on Sunday quickly. Finally, they'll play Cincinnati and Buffalo. What is the latest here? Yeah, it opened four and 50 and a half, went all the way up to five and a half, 49 and a half with the Bengals' offensive line issues. 67% of the money is on Cincinnati or the bet count, and 57% of money's on the Bills. Sharp money's on the Bills here. I like the Bills to cover this spread, minus five and a half. All right, let's wrap it up with Dallas going to San Francisco. In my opinion, this is the most difficult game to call. Very tough. Open four, 45 and a half, sitting three and a half, 46 and a half. Uh, San Francisco, as you know, third string quarterback, 60% of the bet ticket. Tickets are on the 49ers right now and 70% of the money on the Cowboys. Sharp money on the Cowboys, I'm going against them. Uh-huh. I like the Niners minus three and a half here. Billy Rooster, it's always a pleasure. Once again, please let our listeners know how they can get a hold of you. At Billy Rooster on Twitter and the phillygodfather.com. Come make some money. Best of luck with all your plays out there in Las Vegas. We'll do it again next week. Philly Rooster, thank you. Sounds good, Rick. Take care. And there he goes, the Philly Rooster, uh, joining us here this week. I think you can make a case. Honestly, for all four road teams, if I was to put it in order, I'd probably say Dallas won. Um, if I had to pick road teams, you know, I, I, I would have gone Cincinnati two, but now with three offensive linemen out, uh, I don't know if I can go that way, Lauren. And then Jacksonville, I would put in at number three. For me, clearly the Giants are number four here, even though they've already faced Philadelphia twice this year. Yeah, we talked to Prisco earlier. He is picking the Cowboys to beat the 49ers, so he certainly thinks along those same lines. I uh, have to give a shout-out, Rick, before we say hello to Hacker Nation. I have to give a shout-out to Big Chief Tire with the idea today to bleep out the Chief every time we played Big Chief Tire. Obviously, big Jaguars fans hoping that the Jaguars take down the Chiefs tomorrow. That was hilarious. Well done. Yes. Got to well give done. them credit. Well done, Reed Parman and, and Big Chief Tire. All right, let's say hello to Hacker. Now, the two-minute drill, brought to you by Tire Outlet. Keeping the sports world spinning with wholesale prices and premium service. Tire Outlet, Jacksonville's largest locally owned automotive repair shop. Ryan Green in with us now. Hacker, I said that the Jaguars-Titans and Jaguars-Chargers games, the atmosphere at TIA Bankfield, was more magical than a kid going to Disney for the first time. <laughs> you are the perfect person to ask that question. Agree or disagree? It was some scene down there at the stadium the last two weeks. No question about that. It was very comparable. I'll say that. And, okay. And look, you know, to the send off today. You know, I was watching that on on some of the uh, the newscasts. Just incredible the amount of excitement mm-hmm. in this city for this game. And I'm thinking, my gosh, this is the divisional round. If they win tomorrow, That's what right. would next week or next Friday look like before the championship game? Well, and I figured they're going to have people, Rick, come Saturday night if the Jaguars beat the Chiefs, come to TIA Bankfield to welcome the team back like they did in 2017 against the Steelers. I was lucky enough to be on that team playing for that return trip. It was one of the most unbelievable moments uh, since this franchise started in 1995. 96 was cool as well particularly after the win in Denver, which to this day, I think you could say, is probably the biggest win in franchise history. Hacker, a lot of people believe that if they knock off Kansas City tomorrow night, especially being a a possession uh, and a half underdog, 
this could be the biggest win in, in their history. Yeah, I agree. I asked Leon Searcy on the fifth quarter, who was obviously on the field in Denver in 96 after the Charger game last week, was the Charger game in the conversation. And he was honest. He said it's probably number two. He still thinks the Denver win because it was John Elway mm -hmm. at mile high in the divisional round. Well, now this week you're going to Arrowhead to play Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, and you're a nine-point dog. So I agree. If they were to pull this off tomorrow, you would definitely have the argument for this being the biggest win in the history of the franchise. Yeah, certainly. And we can always cap add the caveat of this century, it is the biggest win. That's right. That's that's the easy thing to do. Hacker, what do you have coming up tonight and also tomorrow night? Yeah, it's all Jags Chiefs, as you can imagine. We actually got a pretty loaded lineup tonight. Former Jaguar wide receiver Cecil Shorts is going to join us in about 20 minutes. We're also going to talk to a couple of former Super Bowl winners. Rick Bryant McFadden, former Seminole. He's now with CBS Sports HQ and uh, the All Things Covered podcast, and Chris Canty. You see him on ESPN. We'll get all of the perspectives going in to this AFC Divisional Playoff game tomorrow between the Jaguars and the Chiefs. And then tomorrow night you're on? Yeah, fifth quarter, two hours after the Jaguars and the Chiefs go final. Head coach Dave Campo, Leon Searcy, and myself are expecting to go on right about 9.30 or so. Win or lose, we'll be on. We're certainly hoping for the former and not the latter. And if they win tomorrow night, uh, that should be a very festive fifth quarter here on 1010XL. Well, after your show tonight, save that voice for tomorrow night. Yes, yes, I'll need to, absolutely. <laughs> All right, thanks, Hack. Thanks, guys. Hack's coming up right now. That's going to do it for us. Thank you for having me in today, Lauren Brooks. I enjoyed it. Thanks so much for joining us. Hayes Carline on his way to the airport. We checked in with Frank Frangie in Kansas City, Pete Prisco, and moments ago, the Philly Rooster. Agent Gibbs, have a great weekend, young man. Lauren Brooks, you have you a great too. weekend as well. Right back at you. Folks, next time I will talk with you will be Monday at 6 o'clock. If you want to get a hold of me, you can do so. Blue1010XL on Twitter. Brooksy, if the listeners want to get a hold of you. 1010XL Lauren. There you go. Folks, have a great uh, weekend. Enjoy yourself, and we'll talk on Monday. Keep it right here. Hacker Nation is next.